is Jackie Shea. Welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience around illness and wellness, and hopefully we will leave you feeling inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Emily Wallace. Hi, Emily. Hi, Jackie. Emily is an intuitive energy healing practitioner and shamanic Reiki master teacher. That's right. Which is like apparently a mouthful because. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Emily uh, is a is recovered from Lyme disease. I am. Yeah, I had chronic Lyme for a very long time and I don't anymore. Which is amazing. Uh, amazing. And we're going to talk all about it. And to my listeners, thank you for bearing with us for um, so much Lyme discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of, um, you know, there are things that are Lyme specific, but then there are also things that sort of go with anything that is wellness and, and chronic illness in general. So that's right. I mean, what you do, you work with a lot of different. Yeah, I work with a ton. I mean, I work with people with Lyme disease, um, people working, moving through Lyme disease. And then I work with people who are going through, um, emotional issues and other sort of physical ailments, but I'm always focused on, on the sort of emotional, mental, spiritual side of it. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, um, if someone comes in with a physical condition, it's really about figuring out what else is going on because I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Right. Um, and what I do is it's deeply relaxing and that ultimately just naturally leads to healing. But yeah, we're always focused on what else is going on because it's all connected. It is definitely all connected for me anyway. It was, yeah. Um, and is, um, will you tell us a little bit of your story so that people get to know a little bit about where you come from with, with illness related? Sure. Well, I physically come from Connecticut, which makes it, (laughs) which makes you very susceptible to Lyme disease. (laughs) Such a cliche. Um, yeah. So I, when I got bit by a tick, um, I never had a rash or anything. Um, I just started feeling sick. I had like weird ailments that popped up and then it led to me being hospitalized uh, and nobody could figure out what was going on. Then after I was hospitalized, how uh, old were you when you were hospitalized? um, I, I had just turned 22. Okay. So I was literally, I was in my senior year of college and like barely graduated because I was, I was the last couple months of college. Um, and I just sort of made it out and finished everything. Um, I was student teaching. I was an education major and I like, I I look back, I don't know how I finished anything, but I think my mom made a couple phone calls. (laughs) Yeah. What did you feel like in college with Lyme symptoms? What did that feel like? Yeah, I was just, I mean, I was, I guess I was, it's such a blur at this point because I was really so sick. And what happened uh, initially, the reason I was hospitalized was I had, I think, I don't know if I I had strep throat, but I had like a sore throat and they put me on a really high dose of antibiotics, like a super, super high dose. And later that night I was like, just, I mean, it was a, it was a herx, you know, I had no language for that because I believe that they tested me in the ER for Lyme and it came back negative. And then, um, 
Yeah, I was just, I had a lot of joint pain. You just really brought classic. up so many things. So the, <laughs> the Herx, the Herx is right. a really important piece of information. Sure, and that is, yeah. um, it's a Herxheimer reaction. Mm -hmm. It's named after uh, some guy named something Herxheimer. <laughs> um, and it is when you are taking bacteria killers that start killing Lyme disease and it makes you much sicker much, because much, yeah. much sicker enough to go right. to suddenly go to the ER. Um, and it's happened to many people that don't know they have Lyme, get put on antibiotics for something and then suddenly get so sick. Right. Um, and it can also happen with different herbal supplements. Mm -hmm. It can happen with... I've seen it happen with energy healing. I don't know it if you've It can happen with energy healing. Well, yeah, because actually one time when I worked with you, I did leave and, you know, almost passed out, actually, and, like, slept yeah, that the rest was my, of the day. That was my uh, situation, too. Yeah, so if you're... It can really happen with any kind of die-off situation. Yeah, I think that's super important for people to realize because if I saw that now in somebody, if they were taking an antibiotic and I would know, but at the time I had, you know, nobody knew. And right. I went for another, I think, you know, lots of doctors, classic story of every specialist and nobody could figure it out. And herxing is, I think, just one other thing. Yeah, yeah. We actually haven't discussed this on this podcast oh, yet, okay. but herxing is specific to Lyme disease. So mm -hmm. that's actually not a, um, that's not a word or a term that you use for any other <laughs> disease or like bacteria <laughs> right. die off. Right. Um, so most people don't know what it is. And then you also mentioned that you got tested in the ER. Yes. And it came back negative. Yeah, that was a standard titer test right. versus versus Western the Igenics, yeah. Igenics Western blot, which we have discussed. If you haven't heard that, it's in episode one. We've discussed how to get the Igenics Western blot, which is the only reliable test. But so they came back negative and they just sent you to a bunch of specialists. Yeah, I went to a neurologist. I mean, I, I, my, I think the weirdest symptom that I had that, you know, I was, had this joint pain that moved around and I had pretty bad fatigue, but the weirdest thing, I had this radiating sort of almost burning sensation from my neck down my shoulders. And so, you know, I was going and they were like putting me, wanted to put me on Lyrica and, you know. Lyrica's a big one. And big one. Yeah. <laughs> like Lyrica. Lyrica. Lyrica, take Lyrica. <laughs> um, eventually I, I found my way to, I actually got um, my testing done. I went to an allergist because it was that sort of, okay, nobody knows what's going on. Let's do a big allergy panel. I went to the Morrison Center um, in New York, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Morrison, and he listened to my symptoms <laughs> and sent off um, a test to Igenex, so. Oh, wow. Is it, are all allergists also immunologists? I don't think so. No, okay. I'm, I'm sure that there's some sort of overlap, but not, not that I know of. He just happened to be somebody who's who you knew? Know. Yeah. And when? Yeah. What year was that? Oh gosh, um, I think that was two. That was 2010. So it was yeah, 2010. Um, and then it was antibiotics, and um, and I was lucky enough to be with a doctor who's doing supplements, and so he kept treating you. I yeah, I worked with him. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and how did you do on antibiotics? You know, I think, I mean, I went through a bunch of different um, different kinds of antibiotics and different methods of antibiotics, and I, you know, I think that I, I did okay on them, I think because I was doing the supportive things, like taking the supplements and changing my diet and all of that 
that stuff that um, it wasn't, I had bad Herx reactions, but ultimately I got, I probably got to, with all of that, I feel like I maybe got to 70, 75% okay. of wellness, but then I sort of hung out at 70% well. Which looked like what? What did 70% well look like for you? It was like I could get, I could have a job. Like I wasn't working for a long time. Um, I could, I started to get back into working. I could have, you know, some sort of social life, but not much of a social life. Um, you know, I would, could go out to dinner, but I'd have to like make sure that I was in a chair. I could be supportive. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Just, just sort of, um, getting by, getting by and, and the getting by was, um, you know, nobody wants to live their life that way, that they feel like they're just getting by. And I think that's where the um, the energy work really pushed me, you know, to full wellness. And it really took this big commitment. So I went to see every, I mean, we've talked about this um, in, in our sessions that I think were pretty similar, that before this, I wasn't into anything alternative at all right 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 I you mean know? it's so funny that I'm like in a Reiki master's room right now in New York and like talking before we started filming I was like so taping I was like so should we talk about essential oils should we talk about like <laughs> you know what else should we talk about diet should we talk about and it's so funny because I was just never that way yeah Ever. I have like essential oil in my bag right now. We're talking about Palo Santo. We're talking about, yeah. you, know. <laughs> you know, we could talk about anything. We could talk about crystals. We could talk about, like, I mean, I, and I went to every, I mean, when you are desperate to be well, you'll, you'll do things that you've never done before. Yes. And I went to every kind of healer. Um, and I remember the first time I ever went to see a shamanic healing practitioner, I was sitting outside. I was on the phone with my, my best friend, and we're just, like, making fun of it. I was going, you know, my mom had set up an appointment for me, and I was going, and we were, like, talking about spirit animals and, oh, that we're <laughs> going to howl like a wolf. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I have, like, you know, hundreds of spirit animals. But, you know, but... what's funny because right <laughs> behind you is your, like, animal speak book. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, three different books about spirit animals. <laughs> These are animal cards. Like, I have everything. Um, no, I'm obsessed. And But the reason that I, I am is because I went to that shamanic healing practitioner and I walked out and I felt better. And, like, nothing was really making me feel better. Right. So what... So when was that? Because I'm just trying to track, <laughs> to track our it. time. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure when that was. That was probably. That was probably 2012. I was able to like. I had moved home to Connecticut. I moved back to the city. I think in 2012, and then I think it was 2012 or 2013 that I started working with um, the person who became my mentor and and shares my office with me and oh um, wow but I started working with him and and you know it was I think this is something that a lot of people do with energy healing is they treat it like going to the dentist like if they're good they'll go they'll go like twice a year if they're like really good but it when I and I was doing it like that too where it's like I would feel better and then I would go away from it and then I would start to feel worse and then I would go find somebody else and I would feel better um, but when I started working um, 
his name is Jonathan Hammond. When I started working with him, I was really committed. I became, I, I was seeing him um, like every other week and I was really like, cause I started to feel better and then I started to realize like things were unmanageable and I wanted them to be manageable. But the first time I saw him, I had a pretty bad Herx reaction. Like I left feeling good and then I felt awful for three days and I was like, well, that didn't work. Right. And then you, and then six months later I went back and then I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in it for the long haul now. I'm ready. Right. Um, it's really important to actually track that stuff. Like one of the things that was suggested to me was to keep a journal. Mm -hmm. I, I never, successfully did it (laughs) like I keep journals but I just couldn't I didn't want to track my symptoms in them sure uh but you know I do one of my memories of like a very bad herx came from something called bioenergetic intolerance elimination Mm. and it's this very confusing thing that has been described to me you know 1500 times that I just can't ever remember sometimes when something has a really long name you're just like cool my brain's gonna shut off now yeah I can't (laughs) it's like when my husband talks about sports I'm like cool my brain can check I know I was like oh it's football season who knew um (laughs) but (laughs) so it was like it's something about realigning the meridians in your body so that everything can flow better and blah 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 right, something right, like right. that <laughs> anyway I did this google for, it everyone. yeah google it uh, my practitioners in LA write to me like she's incredible the first treatment I had with her I was super sick um to begin with mm-hmm. and I was like off antibiotics willing to do anything right so yeah. I went to see her she did this thing my friend who had seen her was like just drink more water than you think is sane and like mm-hmm. you'll be okay the next three days were the worst days I had ever had. I was wow. wildly ill Oof. and could not get out of bed. And I got lost in my car and I needed a ride mm-hmm. home. I mean, it was like all of these crazy things. Um, and then three days after that, like three days in, I woke up and opened my eyes and felt like it was the first time I had opened my eyes in a year. Wow. Swear to God. That's I, amazing. And at the time, I didn't put it together. Right. It That's actually the same took thing with me. I, right. It was only in hindsight did I realize, oh, I think that was actually the point that, like, I, I think I was Lyme-free at that point and didn't connect that totally. until, like, a, over a year later. So if you're doing these treatments mm. and you're not sure they're working, but, like, something in you is telling you to keep doing them, like, I would urge you listeners to just keep doing the things that for some reason you're drawn to and that you're not really sure but because I have so many memories where I look back and I'm like oh I killed off a lot in that yeah in that moment um so anyway you you had this herx and I want before we continue can Mm. you please explain to us what shamanic healing is yeah. (laughs) yeah so um shamanic healing um comes from shamanism which is indigenous spirituality and shamanism is essentially um, the reverence of nature so shamanic healing is trying to get people to be more like nature and so in nature everything is sort of perfectly flowing and if you look at a forest it's just going to keep growing and moving towards creation Um, and in human beings we have sort of a natural we're we're perfect but we um send parts of ourself away that we don't think are perfect. Things happen to us throughout our life where we go like, oh, 
um, you know, some something in my life taught me I can't be this way. I can't be who I really am. So I'm going to send that part away. Um, and shamanic healing is all about bringing those parts back and also about uh, removing parts that are unnatural. So just anything that, you know, any energetic blocks that we have. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, again, similarly, I, I will walk away and be like, you know, sh- shamanism. Yeah, you know. shamanism. Google it. You know, yeah, Google it. <laughs> um, and then uh, I am a shamanic Reiki practitioner, which combines shamanic healing with Reiki, which is a Japanese technique for um, relaxation and... And, and it tell promotes, us promotes healing. And okay, so can you tell us? Because I've had a bunch of sessions. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, worked with other Reiki healers. Like I know what Reiki is sure. from being on the table. Mm-hmm. But can you kind of describe what the process looks like when yeah. you're when you're holding a session with somebody? Sure. So in a traditional Reiki session, you're usually lying down on a massage table, usually on your back. Um, and there's a series of hand positions, and it's essentially taking, um, we have a, a life force that runs through us, and you know you can call it chi, or they call it ki in Japanese, which is where the ki and reiki comes from, um, and prana, and it's our life force. And as I said before, we sort of obstruct or block, our, our life force gets um, obstructed throughout our, throughout our, with the wounding and all that stuff, traumas and, and, and the like. Um, and Reiki is about moving an energy that has um, a higher intelligence than we do into the body and through a series of hand positions. And it's just really relaxing. And um, if nothing else, relaxation is so important to healing. Um, it gets your brain into um, a theta state or even a delta state sometimes, and that promotes healing, just like sleep promotes healing. So with Lyme disease especially, when you're not getting a lot of quality rest, it can be really beneficial for that. Right, and we're d- and you're definitely saying that, and I'm hearing it anyway, as it's for the people that are... Um a little suspicious, sure. right? It's like the sure. people that are going to be like, well, that doesn't help. And it's like, well, scientifically it does because it's promoting yeah. relaxation. However, exactly. I will say mm-hmm. that um, from a more magical perspective, yeah, let's talk magic. <laughs> let's it's talk magic. fun to talk magic. Um, you know, you just said that it, uh, it eliminates the things that are blocking our life force, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Lyme disease chronic illness blocks our life force for Mm -hmm. me for me it was like a you know a barrier between me and my life force actually right I just read I read daily readers every Mm -hmm. morning Mm -hmm. um uh, a way to start my day right something spiritual and what I think it's so so helpful (laughs) something I read yesterday was um it was about a trauma from childhood, essentially, or mm-hmm. trauma from addiction, any kind of addiction in your life, if somebody mm-hmm. had been an addict around you. And it was like, you know, something around along the lines of alcoholism and addiction, they, they, they uh, block our spirit. They dim mm-hmm. our light, the lights mm-hmm. inside of us. And when we come to a place where we can heal, you know, we have the opportunity and the option and the choice to let our light shine and... Right. Um, and to, and to be alive and happy and joyful again. And for mm-hmm. me with Lyme disease, it was very similar. It was like 
removing the things that were standing in the way of that light in me. Yeah. Um, well, that's a sen- that's all I really want to do for people is get them to be like their shiniest self, like their most authentic self. So I'm not trying to get, you know, when I'm working with you, Jackie, like I'm not trying to get you to be anything but more Jackie. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Lime is not Jackie. No. Like, of course, you know, um, uh, but in order to get there, I have to get rid of these parts of myself that feed, essentially feed the line. Sure. Um, that was my journey. And I can't speak to anybody else because I know that it can be, I was very triggered with any sort of implication that I had attracted this or that I was choosing it. Um, but, you know, it, for me, it really, I had to start looking once I got to a point where I had reached that, you know, 75% that what else is missing? Like what component is missing? And for me, I had to really look at like what Lyme was giving me, what it was providing me with. Um, and for me, like personally, it was all about, I couldn't, um, I had just had to be perfect all the time. I couldn't let anyone take care of me. Um, I couldn't be vulnerable. And that's what Lyme gave me because it took everything else away. I had to be vulnerable. I had to let people take care of me. I had nothing to sort of be perfect with. Um, and I think that that was, that was sort of hard to initially accept, but ultimately so powerful and so beautiful and really helped me become more of who I really am because that desire to be perfect isn't who I really am because who I really am on a sort of spiritual, um, in a spiritual way is I'm perfect. It's like we're all all perfect. Something like, I love that, you know, idea. And for me, it took me years to start looking at, you know, what Lyme was giving me for sure. Um, and I definitely do not ever suggest that people attract it or that it's your fault. That was something that was very hard for me. If anyone suggested that it was like, you know, a weapon to beat myself up with. Right. Um, That's never what we need. No. However, what Lyme gave me something you and I actually talked about in a story when I first met you a couple years ago, I don't know, maybe it wasn't a couple years ago. It feels like a year and a half ago. Anyway, we talked about, um, you told me the story about some, that somebody told you about how ticks don't get any love. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Tell it, tell it. Um, <laughs> so the, the story that I heard is that, um, in a, in a shamanic viewpoint, so all these spirit animals, animals have medicine for us. Um, they, they teach us things. So sometimes you'll see like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of hawks. And what does that mean to me? And hawks are traditionally like messengers. But then I had someone explain to me that ticks are, um, they're a creature that they feed off of other beings and they never get any love. There's no, there's no situation in which a tick is being provided with love. And so they're attracted to people who are like real givers, people who are are people who love and um, and you know for me personally I I was giving that love out and not really turning it in on myself and so that is what in hindsight um, 
I feel like that tick <laughs> was teaching me. Yeah, and turning it in on yourself and loving mm-hmm. the shit out of yourself yeah. again and again and again and again yeah. is is how you heal that, right? right? So and um, energetically, when I, and I think we did this in a session where I visualized being like so full up with love for myself that nothing else could exist mm-hmm. within it, that there's, you know, no bacteria um, could exist. And then there was the, the process of finding ways to be grateful for the bacteria, especially when I was still, um, when I was still coming up positive and, and had this bacteria in my system, um, I needed, it became like, I hated this thing that was in my body. And so I was like hating a part of me at that point. Um, so the more that I was able to look at, like, not that, um, not that I was causing it or that I was choosing to be sick, but that, like, the more I could look at what Lyme was giving me and sort of be grateful and then be like, okay, now I can let it go, uh, the healthier I became. Right. Yeah, that's so useful. It's, I, I remember you having me write like a thank you letter to mm-hmm. the tick or something. And I definitely had another Reiki session where I did some like thanking, thanking the it's Lyme hard disease. Though, isn't and, it? Well, yeah, it's really hard, but I love what you said that like, I, can, I don't want to hate a part of me. Right. right. Um, and also though, with the, with the self-love part, that's definitely something that Lyme disease gave me. It gave mm-hmm. me a reason and excuse to put myself first yep. and, um, to care about, to do myself first and everyone else second. Right. Mm-hmm. That, and, uh, and it was really hard for me to believe or to just simply let go of Lyme and still have that. And that's what we were talking about. Like, how do I let go of the Lyme, but hold on to the The things that it was giving me and the lessons. Right. And so, you know, I told you, I recently wrote like an amends letter to myself, an apology, a letter to myself, Mm -hmm. essentially for the ways that I've harmed myself over the years. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things was, you know, you can be well now and you can, keep all of that stuff and I can continue to put myself first. I can continue to rest as Mm -hmm. much in a day as I need to, even if I'm well, like I can can say no to things and I don't have to have the excuse of, of illness to say no. Like that was really hard for me because after a while it, that became, I didn't realize it, but that was very convenient to be able to, to say no and have sort of a a very valid, real excuse. Totally. It was real. I was real. I wasn't making it up. It wasn't, I really did feel sick. Um, but I, yeah, I had to learn to, to say no and, and to, you know, do the right thing for myself, set boundaries and all of that. It's without so the help of this illness. Right. Without the assistance of like, Oh, because I've been in bed all day and right. oh, because I can't get out. I can't like, I've been, whatever it is, right. I've right. been puking my brains out all day and all that stuff. But to just say, no, thank you. I'm not available for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I just, and you can stop talking. You can stop, you can say no and stop talking. <laughs> um, which is just, 
is such a lesson. Uh, anyway, can you, I totally sidetracked. Can you tell us what a session oh, yeah. with you oh, looks with like? Me. Yeah. So, um, I work intuitively and what's really important to me, especially as somebody who went through being a client and a patient for so long is that people I found were treating, um, the disease and they weren't treating me. And I think that everybody is, everyone's situation is completely unique. And so a session with me is, you know, you come into my office or we, you and I have worked over Skype a number of times. Um, I just want to hear what's going on with you. And if it's a first session that can be a little bit more in depth and more about your history. Um, and, you know, somebody who's coming in with a physical illness, I would certainly want to hear about that. But ultimately it's, there's, so many more layers that um, it are really what things will end up boiling down to. So we'll talk and I'll just listen and I'll, um, there'll be things that come up that um, I'll just be open. And at some point there's always, there's always a moment where someone's talking um, and letting me get to know them a little bit where I just go, oh, I know what to, I know what we're gonna do. <laughs> yeah, you're um, very, I can attest that Emily is extremely intuitive, and uh, thank God for that. I love <laughs> intuitive people. I'm like, you're saying what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, and then, uh, well, I'll you know, uh, if you're physically in my office, you'll move over to a massage table. You've uh, we've done sessions where you've just sort of gotten cozy in your bed, um, and then. I'll do some hands-on healing, and then I always do um, a guided meditation or journey because I do think that um, visualization is super important. And also, um, you know, I think that we can shape shift our belief systems, which is a huge component to, to being well. Um, and then stuff sometimes will come up during the session where I'll go like, "Hey, what is?" Uh, does a red convertible mean to you? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. And we had a moment in one of our sessions where I had something, because I always, before somebody arrives or before we start working together, I try to tune into their energy and like sort of get ready and clear out. And I was like, um, I, I had this thought that came into my head. There was like, I need to ask her about coffee. So good. And I had a feeling where I was like, oh, I don't want to have to ask her about coffee because I have a feeling she really loves coffee. She's going to get defensive. But I'm going to have to ask her about it. And, you know, and that was all that came up. And I think it's, for me, I find it important to just express what comes through and not necessarily try to interpret it because, you know, I could think of coffee and be like, it's about her energy level or something. But it was really when I when we started working together and I was like, tell me about coffee. It was literally about it, coffee. It was that I was going through a transition for a long period of time. And I'm writing about this. Hopefully it will be posted tomorrow. Um, but I, I really wanted to quit coffee, but I just couldn't. But it was the one thing, you guys, I'm free of, like, freaking <laughs> gluten, dairy, sugar, eggs, pork, you know, yeah. soy, like, the whole lot of it. And uh, obviously, I definitely don't smoke or drink. Mm -hmm. Not to shame you if you do. It's just not. <laughs> that's just not something I do. But I, I um, could not give up the coffee mm -hmm. and I used it for so many reasons because it did it gave me energy where there was none because it helped right. me to push through because it suppressed my appetite because mm -hmm. um 
because being without it made me because coffee is also a natural antidepressant I mean like and I think you had an an emotional connection to it too like it was you know it was a part of your an identity for me too like I just I had I didn't like I felt really threatened by people that didn't drink coffee because Mm, I was really afraid of being a person like the alcoholic feels threatened by people that don't drink. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. I needed to make sure that we were all going to be in the same boat and like need coffee at the same time. <laughs> right, like, right. Um, if you would go out with somebody and they're like, I need coffee. And they're like, oh, I don't really drink coffee. And you're like and you're terrified. Like, oh, no. yeah. I'm like, oh my God, well, how am I going to get mine if you're not on the same page and you're not worried right. about getting the coffee? And forget it. I'd never want to wake up at someone's house that like didn't drink coffee or, you know, um, Anyway, it controlled me in many ways, and I just, I couldn't give it up. And every time I tried, I was so depressed without it mm-hmm. that it didn't make any sense to not have it because I would just think about it all of the time, and right. I would never get past that hurdle. And then it was getting so bad, and I had this thought, essentially, like, I knew, I was like, it's the one thing that I won't give up. Like, yeah. what what would my health look like yeah. if I just gave it up? And you came to me I and you were like... I saying that to you. Yeah. I was like, what if you could be completely well? Would you give it up? What if you could be completely well? Uh, would you give up coffee? And I and was, pan- I panicked. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think that, I think for all of us who have gone through something like this, there's like, there are those things that we know deep down, you know, that we don't want to give up and they could be just like habits, like they could be emotion, they could be relationships, they could, you know, there's so many things that it's like, okay, but what if I told you that if you gave that up, you would feel better? Like, that's enough. That's enough, you know, and that, that really brings up a lot of questions. Like, am I really ready? Yeah. And you have to, and that's the Ah. thing. And and the good news I have is that I wasn't ready when we had that talk and I didn't give it up in that moment, but it planted a seed and I, and the, the great thing I can say is that I didn't, when I started talking about it openly and saying, like, I think coffee is bad for me and I'm not willing to give it up yet. When I started essentially saying that, right. yeah, at some point, and it was January 1st of last year, so to, mm. so almost a year ago, when I put it down. And when I did, it was, that was it. Like, I was just... Yeah. It didn't hurt. It wasn't that hard. I was very clear. I was going to give it a year. Mm-hmm. I was going to be like, well, we'll see how my health goes sure. after a year. And then if I want it again, I'll have it again. It's been, you know, 11 months and I don't want it. I I don't, I'm not looking forward to it on the first. My mom just the other night was like, have a sip of my latte. And I was like, I, I don't drink coffee anymore. And she was like, but it's just a sip. Right. And I was like, but Why? First of all, I'm afraid of it now because I'm mm. afraid that it's actually going to, like, produce that crazy caffeine high. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, and I guess I'm an all or nothing kind of person. Yeah, I think you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> your face, you're like, yeah, why didn't you have this? Tip? No, no, I'm, I totally, I completely respect that you did it, but I just, I know that about you, that you're, I I can't really, I mean, you're so admirable in, if I have a sip, there's just like, for me, there's just like no turning. And and that's a thing like the perfect part of that sentence is for me, like that's not necessarily going to be somebody else's story. And I think that for when I was really going through Lyme and I see this 
in people who are really suffering from um, illness all the time is they want like other people's answers. Like they know that I'm I'm well now that I don't have Lyme disease anymore, and they're like, okay, what was your protocol? What do you do? And it's like, I could tell you, but it's not going to be f- for you necessarily what it was for me. Um, right. And certain things are like, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure for some people it's like having, you know, an occasional cup of coffee is it's actually a positive thing for their system. But, you know, I think or even a cup a day. I mean, I I was having like five cups a day, so it wasn't right. I love coffee. Yeah, and you aren't you drinking it again? Oh yeah, I <laughs> have some right over here. Please. Stumptown coffee, the best coffee in the world. I know it is so good. Please tell our my listeners why you started drinking coffee again. Why did I start drinking coffee? This is again? like my favorite story because of the Gilmore Girls. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, I was rewatching Gilmore Girls, and I'm just like, oh, I have this. I got myself a Luke's coffee mug and I was, you know, drink. I, I love like, um, guayusa tea and yerba mate, like all, I, you know, I have probably like 30 different kinds of tea in my house. Um, but I got this Luke's coffee mug and I was like, I can't drink tea out of this. Yeah. <laughs> what would Luke say? Um, but yeah, so now I have a, I have, you know, and I won't drink like Sometimes I'll make myself like an almond milk latte, uh, or, but I won't make myself a latte in my Luke's mug. I have to drink like black Just coffee, like, like diner coffee yep. out of the Luke's mug. Except yeah. it's always Stumptown. So I don't think it's Luke's diner. But it looks it, like but diner it, coffee. It does. <laughs> it does. I love, I love, that's like something that, you know, self-care looks like different things for different people and part of something that I that brings me so much joy is like I have a bunch of different mugs and you sort of I feel like I can like set the tone for my day like totally. by choosing a mug I know no it's true it's like little things that make me happy are I'm I'm worth having that stuff around and yeah. like getting a visual of something that makes me smile right you know I mean it's uh I think a lot of the sort of self-care talk can be, it, it seems like part of the like current vernacular it's that people is like self-care and, mm-hmm. and, but it is so important and like, it is important to, to have joy in your life and to think about the things that bring you joy. Um, but something that's interesting that about, about self-care to me is like, a lot of people, I feel like, use it as, like, self-care. Like, I'm going to treat myself to this piece of cake, and I'm going to, like, go get a massage. And both of those things are, like, like I don't, I probably don't want cake, but <laughs> right. but I would love a massage. But um, it's, the, like, the idea that self-care is all sort of, like, indulgence and escape, or it's, like, self-care to me is partially that. It's partially about, like, treating yourself, but also it's about, like, legitimately taking good care of yourself right you know what I try to do it oh sorry a trick that I use um I babysat for a really long time Mm -hmm. and so one day I started to try to take care of myself the way that I would take care of a child I was babysitting brilliant and it was it really helped me because it came down to super simple things like would I let a kid go to bed without them brushing their teeth Right. You know, and it's yeah. like, no, I wouldn't. Like, would I make sure the kid, like, wiped their, f- like, clean their face and a nice, like, comfy towel after they, mm-hmm. you know, 
whatever got like pizza all over it or something <laughs> you know do we make sure kids eat their vegetables do right. we make sure they're not in front of a screen for three hours right. like you, yeah you look at kids who are in front of a screen all day and you go like that's terrible kids today and you're like um well <laughs> I'm doing that yeah or would I let a kid go to bed with the tv on no right. and I I, would I have let a, a kid stay up past midnight no because we know that sleep is important and that was yeah. such a that was such an incredible tool for me honestly I think that is it's very similar to what I what I talk to clients about I think that if you can do one thing if you can treat yourself like you're treating like a child that you love yeah you're gonna feel better exactly it's, you're gonna feel better it's so crazy <laughs> it's I, it's so it's such a powerful thing and I think that um you know people I think that you have to realize that you're we're all these like children that are in sort of like adult bodies and we have sort of an adult self and a child self and if you can just really show yourself love and also you know tell yourself you know be like the five love languages mm. which I don't know if you're not aware no I mean I know that there are different yeah. love languages but so there's this book I can't remember who it's by google it <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are five different love languages and there are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and touch, right? I'm going to get this book. <laughs> it's really good. So, and everybody sort of, it's great for relationships because different people have different love languages. They have different ways that they show and they, that they give and receive love, That things that make them feel like certain people are like, you have to tell them. And some certain people, like, if you take out the trash without being asked in your relationship, they go like, oh my God. They love me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, so I think it's a really, really great tool in relationships, but it's also a really great tool for self-care. It's like, are you showing yourself love in all of these ways? That is so useful. You know? That's so helpful. And then, so you did that and you are feeling better. You're yeah. one, I mean, you're 100% yeah. today, right? I'm and 100%. Have I've been. For, have been for years For now. years. And it all, you really do attribute it to, I mean, you obviously attribute it to medication because 75% of it you contribute to medication. Sure. Um, uh, I think, you know, it, it was, my journey was, ended up being very holistic and, you know, sometimes we think of holistic and it's, it is like a mind, body, spirit. And people think holistic means like no Western medicine at all. But to me, it's like incorporating all of the tools at my disposal. Um, but yeah, I did, I did use Western medicine, but I yeah, think holistic what, does not yeah. <laughs> mean that you like don't just, use Western medicine. Right. <laughs> it does not mean you lay on a massage table and get Reiki all day. Right. And I've had people come to me, um, you know, people know that I work with people with Lyme. Um, and I've had people come to me and, you know, call in and say, Oh, I have Lyme disease. I know that you don't, and you attribute it to a lot to energy work, but I know that, you know, there are people who maybe just got diagnosed and I'm like, I'm not necessarily the person that you need to see right now. Yeah. You really come in kind of as the last bit is like, I yeah. mean, maybe not no, for plenty I think that, of people um, you are at the beginning. I'm sure yeah. for me, my experience with mm -hmm. you was that as I was like really trying to, we would talk a lot about how I'm right on the edge. Mm -hmm. I'm right the on the bridge, edge, right? that bridge. Like I just need, and you were very um, constructive for me getting 
over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the way for me anyway, energy work ended up working in my life. Like I needed the medicine too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would never tell anybody to, to just, you know, to avoid, um, what their doctor was saying. And especially if it's a, a good Lyme lover at doctor, um, right. certain doctors that maybe I would say, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, for me, it really, I think that energy healing is, it's going to meet you where you're at. So if you're not really, if you're in still in the process of, of becoming well through, you know, taking antibiotics and supplements and, and, um, any sort of treatments that you're, you're doing with, with your doctor, I think that it does support it, but, um, it all for me just personally, and I know that for you too, it's like, it was that thing that got, I was like living on a, on the bridge, right? <laughs> you know? Right. And, and the bridge was preferable to being in the dark tunnel that I was in for a long time where I didn't, I, I used to describe my being, um, really sick with Lyme disease. You know, when people talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, I was like, I didn't even know it was, there. It was a tunnel. I thought I was in a cave forever. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really did. And then, um, so being on a bridge is preferable to being in a cave that, you know, you think there's no way out. Yeah. Um, but you know, I didn't ultimately most people, I don't think anyone lives on a bridge. <laughs> Does anyone live on a bridge? I'm sure someone, lives, someone on a bridge. lives on a bridge. We're in New York city, Emily. Oh yeah. Someone <laughs> lives under a bridge. Maybe? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was, um, what was the most powerful thing for me is, is really, um, taking my, taking initiative, feeling empowered, feeling like I can, I'm really the only one that can make me better. That's right. And it's through my own intuition and finding the right people to help me do that. Really trusting yourself. But that's what I want to help people to do that in, whether they're going through Lyme or, they have another chronic illness or whether they're just sort of, they're not necessarily physically ill, but a lot of people are really going through it emotionally right now. I mean, it's Oh yeah. You do not need to be physically (laughs) ill to get some good Reiki and no, and no. And, and, um, to me it was, there's just relief that happened from, from it. And I just kept following it and I ended up deciding to, become an energy healing practitioner because it was so, it was so good. Yeah. So this completely changed your life. Um, I am so bad at timekeeping cause I love talking to you, <laughs> but we're like, we're running over. Sorry guys. Um, but yeah, this completely changed your life. You are this energy healer now in New York city. I'm sitting in your beautiful office in Midtown. Um, feels so good in here. You guys, I am just I think that your story is so inspiring because it changed your, you were an actress before and it completely changed your life. Now you're like this total woo woo energy healer, which is super fun. And it's changed my life in many ways too, that, that make me, that makes me feel really good and really happy. Um, and I think most importantly, like you're thriving. Yeah. And I'm thriving in New York city, which is hard. Yeah. You're thriving in New York city. It's not ideal for, for healing. I don't think. Right. And you're doing it a little tough, but, and you're calm and you're centered. Like, (laughs) yeah. And I think it's really that, um, I think that 
so many people who are dealing with chronic illness are very committed to wellness, but once I put in that commitment to my mental, emotional, spiritual health, as well as my physical health, that's when I really um, started to thrive and not just, you know, live on a bridge. Not survive. Me too. Um, For me, it was all emotional, mental, spiritual, physical. It all had to come in. And last week's episode, which actually hasn't aired yet, um, but it will by the time you're listening to this, is is about sexually healing as well, which is something that that, you know, I never put into that bundle, but it is, it's a part of that yeah, bundle. Yeah, I mean, that's so a part of, it's a part of who you are as a human being. And right. so, yeah, so that really needs to be really connected. Healing on every level. And I feel like that's something that's very possible, um, with you and the kind of work you do. Uh, so thanks so much. We well, have to wrap up me. and I hope that some, you guys get to see Emily working with her is amazing i am so jealous and i wish that i lived in new york and could see her more often if you want to find her you can go to lightheartedhealingnewyorkcity.com again lighthearted healing nyc nyc sorry i said new york city because <laughs> <laughs> that's how i read it it's not new york city it's nyc.com and then her instagram and facebook are both lighthearted healing um that's the handle and I will obviously link below to your stuff and come see her come see me she's amazing thanks Emily thank you thank you everybody we'll see you next week bye bye